What's up, people? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do. I'm Conroy Smith. I got my main man, Tony, here with me. Tony, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's going on, people? How y'all doing? Um, Hey, we got two guests today. First time ever. We got two guests today um, talking about some important topics that just kind of get overlooked. Um, we got Heather and Jamie on the podcast today. So tune in, lean in, because this is a really cool topic. And stay until the end, because there's a special surprise. Little Let's twist. get to this. Hey, what's going on for another episode of Authentically Us? Welcome back. Today, we have two very special guests, Heather Stromore and Jamie Don. Uh, introduce yourself, uh, y'all. Hi, I'm Jamie Dawn. And I'm Heather Strongmore. We co-host a podcast called Excavate, Uncovering Our Place in God's Story. Fire. What a name. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really rolls off the tongue. Yes. <laughs> um, tell them a little bit more about who you are, uh, what you do. Um, yeah, don't tell yourself short because you all are rock stars. <laughs> yeah so well first of all jamie and i have been friends for 14 years we work for the same ministry organization so we met when we both joined that organization and have been friends for a long time since then and so i'll talk about myself so i have been in college ministry for 17 years and most recently the last five years in memphis which is a city that i love the Grizzlies are amazing. John Morant is a rising goat. Keep your eyes on him. Just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have really enjoyed. I just love the Bible more than anything for obviously for my role. That makes sense. But also just as a person, the Bible is my favorite thing. And I've really wrestled over time with the place of women in scripture and in the church and have felt a lot of alienation and a lot of frustration and just doubt and questioning about that over the years and thankfully have come to I think a lot of peace and a lot of affirmation over time in digging into the scripture more and so Jamie and I were doing a professional cohort last year for our colleagues and we realized hey this content is pretty good as we're talking about women in scripture mm -hmm. and the role of women in the bible and in the church so we turned it into a podcast yeah. So I also have been in college ministry and uh, have loved being in that stage of life. I think that's part of what kind of caused me to love diving into um, scripture and the way that it speaks to our cultural experience and narratives. And so um, my personal experience as a woman, I've kept finding myself looking at that in scripture and kind of diving into that with students as well. And so, um, yeah, I live in Pittsburgh and love spending time in my garden and exploring neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. So it's a little bit about me. Awesome. awesome. Hey, I had a quick question before we, before we jump in to some really deep spiritual that's what we say spiritual stuff um <laughs> 14 years friendships huh <laughs> wow um i don't know how many years tony and i have been friends but um what was the aha moment when you guys were like hey let's start a podcast and this is this, this is curious uh so we we've been friends and a huge part of our friendship has been kind of those moments when you're reading in scripture and saying to each other, like, oh my gosh, did you ever notice this? Or I had this really fun moment with a student and kind of sharing those things. And that's been a huge part of just our life together. Um, and we were teaching this cohort and the first couple times that we were there, I mean, this was like peak pandemic Zoom fatigue. Uh, where people were like, I'm not staying on for another second. And 
then we would get on these calls and people would be like, do you have a couple more minutes for questions? And the second time that happened and we just really were like realizing how much uh, we were enjoying the season of talking about these things together. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, do you think we should start a podcast? And we both kind of had this thought of like, uh, does the world really need another podcast? <laughs> and so we sat with it for, I don't know, probably three months. Wow. Um, and then we said, are you still thinking about that? So we channeled, channeled some energy of, we were like, what a, would a white man ask that question? Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, that is so powerful. You know, when I was thinking about Tony and I, when we started ours, we've talked about it like same time around, you know, the pandemic and then nothing really happened. Tony was just like, Hey, let's do a podcast. And I was like, okay, if we want to do it, let's figure out this, this, and that. And then next day, Tony gave me this, this, and that. I was like, all right, well, yep, <laughs> guess we're doing it. <laughs> right. So. Cause I, we were like, every Theo bro and his cat has a podcast. So like, why not? You know, <laughs> how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it mean, actually but- is a challenge, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. with a dope title like that, it really stands out too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thanks man For sure right because our real quick because our title is based on our belief that we don't have to like add women into the bible or into christianity in order to feel any kind of value that the idea of excavate is that we're already there we've perhaps just been buried and hidden by what we would define as patriarchy and i know we're going to talk about that um so our thought is like we don't have to like shoehorn ourselves in we're already here. We have a place in God's story. It just needs to be uncovered. Mm. That's so good. Uh, great segue. Uh, when you uh, just mentioned patriarchy, what do you mean? So I was thinking about this this morning, and I think a good concise way to say it is that patriarchy is a system, not a gender. Mm. Because I mm. think people conflate patriarchy and just men and masculinity and sometimes those things go hand in hand for sure but they're not inherently the same thing um and so patriarchy is a system of favoring male just men and male attributes or stereotypical male attributes at least um to the marginalization of women and usually other minority groups as well that it typically then becomes entwined with white supremacy to be frank um, that unfortunately, at least in the United States, those things often go hand in hand. So it's just a very hierarchical system that's based on structures of power that maintain power for men, specifically white men, and <laughs> remove power and um, bar others from power. Yeah, Jamie, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think something that we've really just begun unpacking is how much the patriarchy actually harms men as well. In the same way that white supremacy actually never serves um, white people because that actually mars our own image of God in us for us to be a part of that system. And so I think the patriarchy is like a very rigid system of what it looks like to be a man and what it looks like to be a woman. And stepping outside of that is kind of, it, it marginalizes you, even if you are a white man who steps outside of that system, I think. Um, and certainly there's still plenty of privilege there but I just think one of the things that we just don't talk about enough is the fact that it really doesn't serve anyone I would say very well Mm -hmm. now this is this is such an interesting topic because this is obviously something that is talked about um directly or indirectly however you want to put it definitely in um you know, minority systems. So this is interesting because you, you two are lovely white women and you are bringing this up about, you know, patriarchy being, you know, kind of like typically towards a white man. Um, what, what like brought this up? Was it like through reading scripture? Like, was it just recognizing 
things going on in this world like what originally brought that like that's that's like a specific term patriarchy that you know you don't really hear in a normal life mm-hmm. yeah first, i went through I, a okay yeah go for it jamie i think um one of the like this seems a little bit small but when i was in college i had a moment where i realized how little we learned about the suffrage movement. Like for me personally, it literally was a page in my history textbook one day of four years of high school. Um, And when I started to learn the ways that both women and white women in particular were um, in the system and even the way that white women were trying to marginalize women of color in that system. And um, that was the first moment for me where I realized there is a system at play that I didn't learn about this. And that when I did, I learned about it as if it were like these, this cute picture of like women in dresses standing with like nice little banners in front of the white house. And when I realized like, wait a second, these women were force fed because they went on a hunger strike in prison and that's something that I never learned in a decent educational system. Um, And so for me, I think that actually was one of the first moments that I was like, this, I'm something, a light went on for me in that moment of realizing the ways that a system had taught a very particular story to me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, I've got some similarities there that it wasn't until college that I had my personal feminist revolution. <laughs> um, and some of that was I went to a private liberal, liberal arts school and just took a few electives on women in politics and women in religion. And it was my women in politics class that was really revolutionary for me. And this is what I think can be so insidious about patriarchy is there's so much internalized patriarchy Mm. in the same way that there can be internalized racism. I think women experience so much patriarchy that we don't realize because we just accept it as normal. Mm. And we're just like, well, that's just the way it is. I just feel shame about being emotional because it's bad to be emotional. And Mm. we never really have the space to interrogate that or really think about why do I feel that way? And who's told me that? And is that true? (laughs) Um, And so it was really important for me in college to actually kind of have some of those questions of who makes these decisions, who sets up these value systems and norms. Is it women? Is it something that we actually get to choose? Or is it something that's been put on us that we feel like we have to fit? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause frankly, before college, I did have a lot of what I would call now internalized patriarchy of, I had a lot of, I'm not like other girls. I'm a cool girl. <laughs> Which means like when you are a quote unquote cool girl, you like masculine things. You're like, I like action movies. I'm a cool girl. Or like, I like different music. I'm a cool girl. I don't like girly things. And it's so fascinating that as teenage women, we're conditioned to look down on femininity Mm. and to think that it's somehow inferior or less and that we're better and cooler if we like things that boys like. And I think that's changed a little bit since I was a kid. I'm an elder millennial, but there was just a lot that I had to dismantle and challenge as then moving into young adulthood of like, why do I think that? Why am I looking down on myself? Why am I assuming things about me are worse or weak or or bad? That's, these are just objective, normal things. And it's really the values that we place on them that tell us if they're good or bad. And so that for me was what really helped me identify patriarchy as a system. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Like this is a system of value. This isn't just like individuals interacting. This is a system that places shame and pressure on women to be something that we're not. And to think that who we are, if we're ourselves, then we're somehow less or bad or weak. Mm. Now, um, while you were talking, you mentioned Uh, when you came to be a feminist, what are some misconceptions about feminism? Mm, So many. Um, I think I was just listening actually to a Christian author talk about 
the role of like the sexual revolution in feminism, which like part of that is true. Um, but I think the way that people have made those two things like so equal as if um, sexuality is the only part of feminism, um, I would say another piece is just simply that there's like man hating as a part of it. Um, and I think that's where we really have to do some more work to talk about the way that patriarchy does not actually serve men very well either. Um, and I think, I think anger is so misunderstood in the sense of feminism that there is like, I think it's kind of funny when people are like, feminists are so angry. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> it kind of sucks being like seen as something smaller than you are <laughs> like that's it's not that's not a great experience um and so I think that anger is so often misunderstood to be specifically towards like men uh rather than a system that would oppress people and um put people into a corner that's scratching the, the surface of misunderstandings <laughs> Right. Yeah. I really would just echo what Jamie said, that it is like, I'm not a feminist. I don't hate men. I genuinely hear that pretty regularly. I'm like, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's where I'm like, it's not just about individual men. I mean, sometimes, but most of the time it is about a system that men often are participating in unknowingly and are also have also been shaped by in ways they're not always aware of or consciously choosing. You know, we, we, we had a podcast with another um, individual and he, he was talking about how, you know, take the worst person represented in your group, whether, whether it's a feminist, take the worst person and you wouldn't want that person representing all feminists. Right. And you hear a bad rap because you like, at least when I was in college, you know, you talked about the feminists and especially in like the Northeast um, you hear all these things about like things that feminists do towards men that just are like very, very hateful. Um, so it's good to, it's good to meet feminists who are normal and just, <laughs> you know, wanting, you know, uh, equality and wanting, you know, um, a change in, in a healthy way. Um, but I, on the flip side, I would also say that like, it's the same in terms of like, so I guess in, in it's, it could be the same in, in a feminist mind where maybe you're taking the, maybe they're taking the worst man and putting that across the board. It's like, all oh, men are like this. And this is simply not true. So I think, I think what's great about this conversation is that we get to talk about, it. we get to um, understand and bring awareness to, to this situation. Cause it is, it is something that's not talked about enough, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, I think part of having any kind of identity revolution for yourself of whether it's like around your gender or race or orientation, whatever it might be, that there's literally identity development models that are super helpful when it comes to understanding the process of what it looks like to come to a point of realization. And in these, you know, like it's um, social, social, sociological research, psychological research about the stages that people go through as they develop an identity formation. And the or one of the early stages is once you realize the oppression that you and your demographic have experienced, there's major anger. And then you are very you have to reject the majority culture that you've been that you're realizing you've been negatively shaped by. And so that's a pretty intense stage for mm. a lot of people. And some people don't come out of it and that's okay. You know, that's not the end of the world. Um, the goal is that eventually you come to a point where you can realize it's not an either or like mm. I can be myself and have a strong sense of self and tell the truth about my lived experience. And I can still, I don't have to be threatened by other people in the same way. I can still let other people express themselves in a way that doesn't take something from me. So that's a pretty mature stage and not everybody gets to that and not everybody's in that. And I think I've learned to have a lot of grace for people who are in the earlier stages where they are just pretty angry and frustrated 
because that comes from a place of pain. Yeah. Um, and you know, from any, for any marginalized group, that's based on real experiences of mm. I've been hurt by people that look and act like you. Uh, and so then it's hard to differentiate the person in front of you from the person that hurt you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I do just think I, for sure as Christians, there can be a lot of grace and patience with folks as they're sifting through that, that process of healing and differentiating. Mm. Wow. That's really good. Um, I'm curious how, how does the scriptures and the gospel allow you guys to take this stance uh, of feminism? Yeah, so super interesting as Heather was talking, I was thinking about some of my early days of being a Christian. I would say I started kind of thinking through social justice stuff like a little bit before I started taking my faith really seriously. And so um, in some ways, it's almost like I would put on what I perceive to be a Christian identity. And um, I would not always like engage those conversations with my faith until I met my campus minister in college, who was really engaging some of the issues of navigating faith and social justice in general. Um, And then the more I started to dive into scripture, the more I was like, wait a second, this is exactly like, I knew this had to be real. Like, I think there was something inherent in, as I was developing my faith, kind of this compassionate understanding of who Jesus was, was starting to intersect with my understanding of what it looked like to be a woman. And so the more I looked at um, certain parts of scripture and the way that Jesus interacted with women, um, before I even understood the time frame really that Jesus was living in, I already could tell, like, this is a really radical experience that Jesus is um, offering people. And I think I really started to look into some of those things. I studied under a professor in college who also like was one of the leading scholars at the time of some of the passages where it, the Bible's used to exclude women. So that was also very helpful for me and just understanding like the same ways that uh, scripture is used to kind of reject um, a feminist narrative is the actual reason that I um, would say I was more solidified in my understanding of that my faith actually propels me into that, not necessarily like makes an allowance for it, but that it actually um, almost requires it. I would say that there's this understanding of who Jesus is and what, um, what he did on the cross to tear down walls of, um, barriers between people and between God that really kind of in some ways demand a response for yeah. us to be a part of that. Hmm. Are there other specific stories from the Bible or women from the Bible that has driven your viewpoint um, on, on this topic that you're like, wow, this is a person I identify with, or I see this specific story where this was the case. Yeah, for me, um, the story of the woman with the issue of blood, I think was, that was a very formative one for me that she, because before I even understood why she couldn't touch Jesus, there's such a clear picture of her shame that she's Mm. like kneeling and kind of trying to make her way to Jesus without him even seeing her. Um, And the fact that he moves towards her and identifies her, I think is something that was very powerful for me early on. Um, And then the more, I just always have been like very curious. So I was spent time in college, like just diving into scripture. Um, And I have this very distinct memory of being talking to a pastor who didn't believe that women could be in leadership. And I said to him, what about Phoebe? And he was like, 
who are you talking about? And I was like, wait a second. I just literally found her in my Bible. Like I just was reading and did a little extra digging, but, um, I would say that was another formative experience for me of seeing a woman who I was like, wait a second, this is the same. This is a woman in leadership and that Paul really affirms. So those were early ones for me that were very formative. Yeah. Yeah. For me, our, our whole podcast traces women through the Bible starting start to finish. Um, so a couple of things is that one, I had to kind of start over with God first and came to a point in my crisis really of thinking about my identity and role in the church and really questioning, like, does God think women are secondary? Does he make us to be subservient? I don't know. It kind of feels like it. What's going on there? And so I just had to really start over. And I remember so clearly the, where I was and the time of day. And as I was praying this and I was like, Lord, I just want to know what's true. I feel like there's so many things that I'm wrestling with with, that I have doubt around. And I just want to know what's true. And I think that's a good prayer, no matter what, (laughs) to like, to ask the Lord to reveal what's true about anything. Um, And so kind of had this rebuilding, a dismantling, and I think then rebuilding process with the Lord, where I had to start back and just answer the question, who is God? Mm. And how, what is the character of God? Because if we understand the character of God first, that shapes then the rest of how we might interpret scripture yeah. that could at times feel difficult or painful or marginalizing or just confusing. And if we're starting from a place of that God is a God of justice and equity, who loves and treasures all that he has made, who has gone to the ends of the earth <laughs> to, to reconcile us to himself, then that has to connote that God values me and loves me and made me on purpose and calls me to be part of the kingdom. Um, So that kind of helped me restart there. And then actually I would say recontextualize or just reimagining Eve was a huge turning point for me. And we had to do two episodes about Eve because there's so much baggage about Eve and so much goodness there as well. And for women, I think we carry Christian women, at least we carry a lot of shame around Eve. And we kind of think like everything is our fault because it's like "Ah, Eve is the one that sinned first. And now like we're all culpable forever. (laughs) And that's really heavy. And we just feel like Eve must have been silly and weak and gullible and foolish and stupid, honestly. Mm. And as I was trying to reimagine that and just reevaluate my perception of that. I, a friend said, a female friend said this one thing to me where she said, I think God hates the gospel first. And I think he hates women second. I had to start thinking about that. You said God. Oh yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I was like, wait, what? what? Okay. Say more. good catch jamie um i think satan hates the gospel first and then satan hates women second um and that there's a particular hostility that satan has towards eve that's then directed towards all women i'm not going to like unpack this fully because again like y'all can go listen to our episodes if you want to um but i had to shift from eve is stupid and that's why satan targets her to eve is influential and that's why satan targets her that he knows if he gets her, he gets both of them. And that if he can destroy her reputation in this moment, he destroys the reputation of women for the rest of human history, which he does, (laughs) like which he succeeded in doing that. Now we have this question mark of like, Oh, women can't be trusted. It was probably the woman's fault. Mm. Don't believe what she says about what happened. It was probably her fault. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, so I think re-understanding understanding Eve in a different way really helped me understand women in a different way. Wow. You know, that is so what you said there is so powerful. And 
everybody who's listening, go listen to that episode. It, the, I, I'm already going to go listen as soon as <laughs> it'll be. Um, in the show notes, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause that is so true. You know, you, you, you think about even nowadays, women still are very powerful when they get a shot. And the, and the issue is it's when they get a shot and it's mm-hmm. not like just women in leadership. Like we're, we're still fighting to get women in leadership. Um, we're still fighting to get minority women in leadership. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you so much for bringing that up. And, you know, as I hear you guys' story, I think about like, like you said, a rebirthing and a, a reimagining. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of therapy or healing and conversations had to happen because of the hurt and, and shame and pain. And, um, but I really want to know throughout that and where you guys are now in your life, what does it mean to be authentically you in this, in this season, in the, in this time in what you stand for? Um. I feel like I could say so much. I think Mm -hmm. one of the things I've really been thinking about, and it goes back a little bit to what Heather was saying about Eve, is the way that, honestly, some of my faith experiences taught me to have disdain and at the very least ambivalence towards my female body. Um, And so I part of that also has to do with some chronic pain and illness that I have around like my female body. Um, And so I think some of that was so intricately tied to me to like some internalized misogyny of that had been baptized by my faith. And I think so much of that, you know, I'd experience chronic pain and I'd be like stupid Eve And, um, and I think I'm having this experience of really saying, I'm so grateful for my body that expresses the goodness of God and, um, has carried me through so much and is a, the body of a woman. And what does that, what does it mean to like, not try to hide or be ashamed of that um is a piece of what that's looking like for me in this season um I think another piece that I'll say is really thinking through what it looks like to be me in the way that I ask questions and um I think a gift of who God made us to be as humans is in naming things and I think it can be very threatening for people to have a woman name things accurately um and to to do that in a way that may threaten other people um and I think I am in a season where part of what it looks like to be authentically me is to to say actually like that's that's a part of what it looks like to be human is to name things accurately and well, and to, to do that in a way that is true and kind and real, but, um, but to not be concerned about the other side of the way that that may threaten something when something is named accurately. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah, for me, again, it's, yeah, tons of ways um, because it's just complicated to be a marginalized, marginalized in some way. And obviously you guys know this super well that like, you're just constantly evaluating, is this, what's going on here in this dynamic or in this interaction? Like, is this fair? Is this equitable? Is this a microaggression? Like, there's just a lot of things that you're always processing and filtering. And that just takes energy and takes your time. And so it's been a process for me to just to try to separate from some of that and just be like, what do I want to do and why am I doing this and be more rooted in like, I'm doing this because I love it and it comes naturally to me versus like people are going to think this about me if I I love to bake and I love to cook and that's kind of stereotypically feminine. Um, and I'm, I went through a season of uh, just like 
people are going to look down on me or think that like, I'm not also intellectual and theological if I'm only like bringing baked goods to church events. Um, but I'm also like, but I'm also really good at baking and I love it. <laughs> so like, I'm going to stop worrying about that. And to be clear, no lie. Your cookies <laughs> are fire. I'm Own just it. saying. It's Own hide it. it. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> yeah, as you should. Um, so things like that where it's like, I would be tempted to not do that because I don't want people to put me in a box, but that's still reacting to the box. Like that's still letting patriarchy define me if I'm not doing it because I'm worried about patriarchy. So I have to be like, I'm going to do what I actually want to do and what I'm good at and not worry. Maybe some people will put me in a box. Oh, well, but I'm not going to let that be my driving force. Uh, and very similar for me with expressing emotion. I'm a very emotional, empathetic person and I get emotional easily. And I have a rule that I have held to for years now. I never apologize if I become emotional in a conversation or if I'm speaking somewhere or whatever it is, I never apologize. And we're so conditioned to apologize and be like, I'm sorry, let me pull it together. This is a moment of weakness or fragility or something or instability or irrationality. And I just don't let myself fall into that trap. I'm like, I'm emotional about something because I care about it. And usually it's because I care about someone I'm talking about or talking to, or it's about my testimony and how much I love Jesus. <laughs> so why am I apologizing for caring about people and loving Jesus? Uh, so I'm just very rigid with myself, very disciplined with myself mm -hmm. to never apologize and just kind of keep going and keep moving through the conversation and invite other people to be themselves as well. And I think it's been really freeing for others that they can, it gives them permission to then also express emotion if they want to, or just like be honest and open and not have to apologize for, for being themselves. Yeah. Well, I gotta ask, I gotta ask this question. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't know. Are you guys, what does like, dating look like in as like a feminist like are you constantly educating are you guys dating are you married like like let the people know <laughs> that's a fair question and we've got a good representative sample here um i am married and i got married slightly later in life i was 30 when i got married um and jamie's single and she can talk about that so it was a challenge um i'm going to tell you a quick story where in my mid twenties, I had this, I had came to a crossroads where I was thinking about going to grad school. I had been out of college for a few years working. And so I was about 25 and I knew that if I went to grad school, my dating pool would get smaller than it had already been that like the more that I developed myself and pursued opportunities and advanced myself in my life, in my career, that my opportunities for dating would be smaller and smaller. And I just had to come to a point with the Lord where I was like, okay, I'd rather be single in obedience to God than be married in disobedience. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to say yes to the opportunities that God has for me. And I'm not going to live in this limbo for kind of a vague, maybe something that might happen. Um, and so for me, it was about saying yes to the Lord and trusting that like, if that means I'm going to be single, I'm going to trust that the Lord is going to give me a life of vibrance and connection and meaning. Um, and so I did that and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm following you. I'm going to believe that what you say is true. And, um, so that, that was tough because I would often meet guys. And as soon as like, I would talk to them for any length of time, I could see it happen. I could see sort of the visible withdrawing and kind of like, oh, <laughs> um, if I would talk about like academic goals or just like thoughts, <laughs> um, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I like, I also had to separate out for myself. Um, <laughs> Jamie's dying. Um, I had to separate out for myself my worth from male attention. 
Mm. And I had to, those two things can't be based on the same thing. Wow. My worth cannot be based on male attention. And for a long time, I thought it was. And I think a lot of women think that it is. And that was a significant learning process of like, whether guys pay attention to me or not, whether they want to date me or not, the Lord says I have worth and I'm following the Lord wholeheartedly. And that has to be the goal. That has to be the priority. Mm. Um, so this is what's a bummer. <clears throat> this is kind of telling. My husband is wonderful, super supportive of me. He did not grow up in the church. And I genuinely think that's a benefit to me that he didn't grow up in the church. And mm. I think that's pretty sad. He came to Christ in college. And so for him, he didn't have a lot of kind of, I think, more unhealthy Christian gender norms. And he was just like, oh, yeah, you should get a PhD someday if you want to. That's cool. Like, why wouldn't you? Um, so I think I, I do think we need to do better in our discipleship of men that what does it look like to be yourself as men? And I love that I really like, you know, that's part of the whole theme of your podcast is how do we be authentically ourselves in a way that allows other people to be themselves as well and doesn't require or limit other people in order for us to feel okay about ourselves. That's so uh, good. Well, I'm, I'm really curious for, for Jamie now too. <laughs> this is so good. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm not married. I would say it was interesting how you name this of, are, are we constantly educating men? Um, I would say that's a hard tension of like, how do we let people be in process and not, I think as women, like we're often socialized to be people who are taking care of other people. Mm -hmm. And if you are an educated woman, one of the ways that you end up doing that is by teaching people. Um, and, um, so I've definitely been in plenty of either dating relationships or situationships. I really like that, uh, language for <laughs> the, the Christian experience, um, where I think people are like coming into this real realization of like oh yeah that could be a possibility for um a biblical idea of like gender equity um and I would say anytime that I've been the one to kind of be that educator um at the end of the day that person doesn't like fully own it and I can see like what they've chosen for their lives is actually like they go for a much more kind of submissive woman. And I, I hope that doesn't sound like a women against women kind of thing, but I just can tell that that's not like an owned experience for them of like what they actually believe. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting experience to be like, yeah, I have a podcast. What's it about? Oh, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Or, yeah, there's, I, the reason I was laughing so hard when Heather was like, or just like thoughts um, is because I was thinking uh, there's a, a person that I know someone, multiple women who've been on dates with him and have had a similar experience of like, I said, I was taking a seminary class and he was like, why? And I thought he was like asking a curious question of like, well, like what made you want to do that? And so I was like engaging the question as if he was genuinely curious of like, well, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm just taking it, seeing how it goes. And, you know, I'll kind of go from there one class at a time. And he was like, but, but why? Like, at, and then I started to realize, oh yeah, you don't have an imagination for why a woman would want some sort of like seminary education. And um, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. Well, you guys heard it here first. Um, <laughs> their podcast will be in the show notes. Their uh, Instagrams <laughs> will be in the show notes. Um, um, last question I didn't want to ask you guys. Um, 
I, I just love relationships. That's why I was, uh, I was wondering. Uh, but thank you guys so much for sharing that because I think that is very educational for women in your situations where you're kind of taking back who God tells you who you truly are and not who the world tells you who you are and standing firm in these uh, moments where you're talking to men or, you know, interested in men dating or married. So um, seriously, thank you guys for, for sharing that. And I'm, I don't want, I don't want it to sound like I'm putting you up on a market. Cause I, I think a lot of Christians <laughs> do that. Like mm -hmm. they just naturally do that. Oh, Hey, my, my nephew, you should talk to, you know, I mean, you guys know. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be that person, True. but things will be in the show notes. Um, so <laughs> what, what would you tell your younger self? I know, heavy question. Mm -hmm. I know. You sent this question to us and I still am like, what would I say? Heather, do you want to go first? Yeah, I know. Cause you know, it's, it's the climb, if you will, to quote Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> that's like you know everything that I've gone through has gotten me here um and I do think it's I do think it's crucial to go through the wrestling and I think that's part of the Christian life for sure and I think part of kind of coming to a place of strength and um and ownership but I think I would I think I would actually echo to myself the words of God to Adam and Eve when they were realized that they were naked, that God says to them, who told you, who told you you were naked? And I think that that's something that we should ask ourselves when we are wrestling with shame or of like inadequacy or insecurity, thinking that we are bad or looked down upon that the Lord says, who told you that? Cause it wasn't me. It wasn't God. It wasn't God who told us that. And I think that's something I would urge my younger self to say to ask who told you that and let's think about that and interrogate that and see is that from the lord or is that from the enemy or from sinful humans wow that's good that's good i think two things one and some of this really comes back to the the question around dating is not to make myself smaller for other people's comfort. And I think, um, I think so many women do that. And I've certainly found myself doing that in past seasons. And I think um, I have so much compassion for my younger self who felt that was the only way to survive. But, um, but I think really part of what I would want to tell my younger self is that the freedom of Jesus is like actually better than we can really mm -hmm. imagine that there's such a wider experience of what it looks like to be fully free in what Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. And, um, and I think coming into what that freedom looks like for each person is such a a precious process but I think that's part of what I would tell myself in that particularly in that experience of like making oneself smaller is that Jesus really did pay for a freedom that's worth spending a lifetime exploring wow thank you guys for sharing that yeah, that's that so good yeah so special um we did want to transition to our next segment um, which is called rapid fire. <laughs> um, so we're going to ask you guys three questions and we want the first thought that comes to mind. Don't pass. Go don't text each other to see what you're going to say. Just the first <laughs> thought. All right. So first question is beach or mountains. Mountains. Oh, beach. 110% beach in like 110 degree weather. Give it to me. I love it. <laughs> nope. Mountains. I'm a Vermonter. I grew up half an hour from Canada. So I'm just like, give me that cold mountain air. 
That's awesome. Uh, when did you last cry? Five minutes ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yesterday. <laughs> we recorded a podcast about um, Revelation yesterday. Right. <laughs> and that was, that did it for me. The hope of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm. <laughs> And who is your favorite uh, female music artist? Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you brought this up, Conroy, because I was going to mention it in the question about being authentically myself, and I got sidetracked. (laughs) Listen, literally, liking Taylor Swift, I'm a Taylor Swift apologist, um, because she's so looked down upon for being very feminine and like blonde and cutesy and singing about boys and people assume that that's small that that's weak that it i think it's telling that people look down on female storytelling um so anyway i love taylor swift i love her so much i mostly only listen to taylor swift and npr NPR. (laughs) thanks that's that's the venn diagram of my interests (laughs) okay Not even country music, just Taylor Swift. Just Taylor Swift. That's funny. Um, I mean, I feel like I have to say Beyonce. I do have to make a nod to my younger self and say Madonna as well. But I'm really like old school Madonna. Not um, she. She evolved, and I am stuck in my childhood experience of her. <laughs> oh man okay um tony i want to i want to do a a surprise thing right now because okay um typically we do this at the end and it's just me and tony but i want to do the friendship quiz so tony and i do a friendship quiz because we've been friends for a long time and guess what you guys been friends for a long time (laughs) so here's the friendship quiz and how it works tony and i ask a question at the end of our podcast to see who's the better friend i'm clearly the better friend um (laughs) Actually, at this point, Tony has gotten more right, to be honest. So um, I'm going to ask a question first to Tony, and then I want you guys to answer the question for each other. So friendship quiz. You guys know what it is. Um, Tony, what is my favorite ice cream? See? This is what I mean. What do you mean, bro? I'm stolen like you are. Isn't this how stop. you uh, enter it? Um, this is mint chocolate chip. Oh, my goodness. Tony, you are way off. I never wow. like mint and chocolate to ever mix. I I had no idea of that one. I'm not even going to act like I It's did. cookies and cream. Dang. But. I'm really more excited for these ladies to answer their question. So I'm going to ask uh, Heather, what is Jamie's favorite ice cream? Hmm. So I'm actually not sure if I know this because we just don't eat a lot of ice cream together. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's see. It would be, I'm just going to give sort of a category. Something seasonal from Trader Joe's. Nailed it. If I put it in my freezer for you, <laughs> that's my power's gone out a couple times in the last month. And every time I'm like, I have the entire seasonal Trader Joe's ice cream flavors in my freezer. How long can they last? Listen, Ube that was ice like cream, spot on. Sleep on Ube. It. Ube is amazing. <laughs> I live in San Diego and we have a lot of Filipinos here who make Ube everything. That's awesome. Sounds like a dream. So, we'll count that. We'll count that. We'll count that as a win. Um, now, Jamie, what is Heather's favorite ice cream? Um, Heather both would like get creative and make her own ice cream. And I feel like be pretty classic. Um, so I feel like I want to go like. I actually this is a little out there, but I feel like I want to say I'm going to give 
two options because we don't eat ice cream together cookie dough just because it's very classic and strawberry okay so cookie dough yes this is as a vermonter uh i was one of the first people to ever try chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream because it was invented by ben and jerry's and they did like tests they like tested it on vermonters locally so fun fact about me um it's also somewhat of a trick question because unpopular opinion i think ice cream is a waste of time you can't chew it what's the point i know there i said it (laughs) everyone is like wow everything you just said might be discredited by that yeah i uh, wow Guys, please don't come for her in the comments. <laughs> Do it. I can she, take it. She wants all the smoke. Right. Uh, wow. One last question for Conroy. <laughs> what is my favorite ice cream? See, Tony, that's not how our friendship quiz works. But hey, everyone, every you are too. So let's go. Tony, it's easy. I, I know all the things about your ice cream choices. Um are we talking about yours or your son's clay? My, what did I say? I said my ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, your favorite ice cream, easy, uh, is uh, is uh, Neapolitan. Done, easy. <laughs> no, nailed no. it. No, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> What is it then? Uh, chocolate marshmallow. Oh. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> clearly, you, clearly, you got not Rocky Road, friends. not Rocky Road. Chocolate marshmallow. Yeah. Right, like how? How is yeah. that? Where do you get that? Like uh, Ben and Jerry? I don't the know. The grocery store. Turkey Hill. Yeah, it's it's Turkey Hill ice cream. That's okay, some that's, central PA stuff right there. That's a half point, Tony. That's a half a point. Turkey Hill? <laughs> no, it's Fair. no half point. Okay. You well, also... clearly you guys are, are better friends than Tony and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much, uh, ladies, for your time. This has been truly amazing to really hear from you and hear your hearts. Uh, share with the people how they can find you. So we have uh, our podcast, Excavate, Uncovering Our Place in God's Story, is available on all streaming platforms. We have a, a show, Instagram, at Excavate Podcast, and on Facebook. And you're welcome to connect with either of us. Either put me on blast for my ice cream uh, dissing or whatever it might be, at Strong Heather, at Jamie Dawn. D-O-N-N-E. Don't get it wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. This was a great conversation. This has been really fun. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we can hop on your podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just put it out there. Just throwing it out there. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Thank you for hopping on our podcast and really being authentically you guys and really essentially. owning that and really living a life out of like what it means to be authentically you. So until next time, be authentically you and everything that you do. We tell everybody who hops on, you are now part of our world, our metaverse. So we can bring you back on for (laughs) um, another episode. So thank you guys again. Another one. Like DJ Callis said, another <laughs> one. Hey, this was this was really good. Um, very educational, um, and just to see their heart for equality, and to see their heart for um, just women and minorities and underlooked and overlooked people to really just have a voice. And the story they told about Eve really just opened my eyes to like how influential women are. It was it was wild. Yeah, um, I think what they have to offer will bring 
a lot of women hope um especially when when they hear this and go to their podcast because they really wrestle with a lot in regards to different women in the bible they have two episodes on how how to be a feminist and relate to paul um because paul paul seems to be a hater of women but they break it down in a way that says it has to be different and so i just i do i really look up to the work they do in what they have to offer uh not just not just women of the church but the church as a collective yeah yeah hey guys you know the drill you know the deal if you haven't already subscribe also like share let everybody know about this podcast because we're trying to make waves here also tune into their podcast which will be um in the show notes um we thank you guys so much for rocking with us we got we got a plenty more guests plenty more fire episodes so lean in tune in also follow us on the gram we got a gram we got an instagram we got a tiktok we got everything um we got youtube follow us follow us rate us like us everything right join the journey Join the journey. The journey. Hey, until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.